Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. babe <laughs> hi how you doing i'm so good how are you good 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 i'm getting just like so excited to be here because now i feel like we're finally getting a little bit of feedback people have heard us people are, are commenting and like actually like i think we're making people feel not alone which is why we're here so i'm so excited yeah, I know. It's it's been way more fun than I thought it would be. Just I mean, I knew it'd be fun, right? Because these are conversations we'd be having whether we were recording or not. It's talking about things that we enjoy talking about and you know, something that's been important in our lives, but but it's also been nice to hear that people are like, "Okay, yeah. This isn't just a me thing." Yeah. Totally. So should we talk about a really good juicy one today, which I'm sure this will be one of the more listened to episodes because we want to, we want to throw all, most of, if not all of our good coaching at you while we talk about dun, 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 cravings, <laughs> alcohol cravings. <laughs> a big one, isn't it? Oh my gosh. So huge. And by the time that this actually comes out, it'll be probably around when people are maybe finishing up a dry January or, you know, it's in the new year and thinking about what do I do about my relationship to alcohol? And, you know, we've talked before, kind of, we touched on before, I think the different approaches to doing this work and exploring a relationship to alcohol. I thought that was something, a, a good place to start today because, you know, we've talked about the difference between freedom from alcohol. We've talked about being alcohol free. What are the differences between those? But what are the different ways of like approaching changing your relationship to alcohol? Whether you're like me, I read the this Naked Mind book and, and Annie says in the beginning, don't change anything about your drinking right now. You do not have to, you do not have to stop drinking. You don't have to quit it. Like just keep doing what you're doing and open to curiosity. That was massive for me. Other people, it's different. It's I'm going to remove the alcohol first and then I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. Remind, remind our listeners what your experience was, like your approach. Um. So I, yeah, I, I dove in headfirst, really. I decided I was going to take a break and then I like devoured all the material as I was doing it, which for me, I think there's something really valuable in taking a break because you get to start to feel the benefits of feeling better while educating and empowering yourself in all the things that it actually was doing to your brain and body. So yeah, I just dove in headfirst and when I started to feel so much better and like understand scientifically why, because I knew what was happening to my brain and body when I was drinking, it just like, it was, it was an easy, like, I mean, it wasn't easy. That's not a right, the right word, but it was, you know, it got to, it got to the point where it was easy not to go back. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and I think that's, what's so great about this space and what we do is there's no wrong or right way or prescriptive. Like there's no, you know, I don't know how many times I have a, you know, a new client who's starting with me and they're like, okay, now, you know, now I have, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And like, no, you don't have to change anything about the behavior yet. Like the behavior part will come when we work on the thoughts and the feelings. And some people need that 
pause like I did where as long as I was trying not to do the thing that I didn't want to do, there was so much resistance. There was so much noise in that. I wasn't open to learning what, you know, what I could learn about my relationship to alcohol. So for me doing it the way that like Annie does says in the book, like just pause, get curious. That was, that was so huge for me. And so I, I, I think it's great to remind people like there's no wrong or right way to do this, but thinking about your approach to this does, does create kind of a, a different way of approaching all the things related to it. So yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, that's, that is the very first actual coaching tip, if you will, that we want to give is like the first thing, if you do have a craving is, is to take that pause and be curious, right? Because like, what, what is that craving saying? And what is that craving? Like for me, it was the craving for wine was a craving for rest or the craving for wine was really a craving for relaxation or to shut off, you know, after my mom died to shut off the sad, the the grief and the sadness that I was feeling. It was always a craving for something else. It was always a craving for a feeling, not actually for fermented grape juice. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which when you zoom out and you get really curious, you can see that that's what it is. It's not really the alcohol that you want. It's the story that says that it's going to help you feel some way that you're looking to feel. And, you know, as someone who did it this, this different way where it was like, pause, keep drinking while you're doing it, being curious, be open, which helped me, you know, really put down those weapons of shame and blame. So I could, I, you know, I never, from the point of becoming free from alcohol, like on, like I never experienced a craving per se, but in the past trying to do the breaks from, you know, from drinking the dry Januaries and the weight loss cleanses and the things that, you know, it, the the craving was something that was a, a habitual response as much as a I'm uncomfortable and my brain going like this is the thing that you do when you're uncomfortable like this is where wine serves that because that's the thing that it's been conditioned to do for so long and so there's that like habitual response that comes and then there's that you know where we kind of see those stories that say that there's also some like benefit here. Like if I'm craving wine, I'm out with my friends and I'm said, I'm not going to drink tonight, but I'm craving it. Well, is it because, you know, I feel like there, I'm going to miss out on something if I don't, is it because I'm actually, my blood sugar is low. And so normally like when my blood sugar is low, I'm uncomfortable. And so, you know, my mind goes to needing that relief. So yeah, getting really curious. Yeah, one's good. Yeah, yeah, that one's really good. I still get that, like, I can, I get, you know, and I don't even remember if we talked about this in one of the previous episodes, but, like, when you get tired and hungry and your blood sugar's off, like, that's when you make the worst decisions with everything, food, alcohol, all the things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like going to the grocery store hangry when we, I think we yeah, talked about that in a different episode. Yeah, we did yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you have an alcohol craving, it's it's similar to that, like being hangry at the grocery store. And so if you approach it from that and also thinking about how like even backing it up, maybe a few steps and even saying like, well, what what are my thoughts about having alcohol cravings? Because I know that as someone that was trying so hard to make this change and kept bumping up against, you know, not being able to make this change, some of my head noise around that before I found this naked mind was, 
you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to want it. And then I'm not going to be, I'm not, then I'm not going to, I'm going to give in again because that's what I'm going to, cause that's what I've done in the past. And that just, and then it perpetuates this, this is hard. I can't do it. Here I go again, failing. Like I'm never going to get this. And so if we kind of back up even in prep for like, what are my thoughts about an alcohol craving? And so therefore when they do come, because by the way, they're thought made, so they're going to come automatically, perhaps, you know, then you have that kind of mindset. Like, is this a growth opportunity or is this something that I'm panicked about having because it's going to mean that here I go failing again? Yeah, that's so, so good. I love I love that you said that and to start like that because it's so true. You have to you have to just start there. And and I think, you know, I've got clients that come to me and when I when we go through this kind of stuff, it, it's. I have a lot of people that say, oh, it's, well, it's just a habit. It's just a habit. And so it's diving deeper than that. Like, obviously we know, you know, we can explain how the brain creates neural pathways and all of that stuff and habit loops and all that stuff. And of course, like you can get the craving because drinking at a certain time of the day is a habit, but there's still a thought, right? There's still something that you originally started this whole thing for <laughs> you know yeah the perceived benefit for sure yeah like the perceived what benefit what is you know what is this thing going to solve or attempt to solve or what am I what do I weigh underneath what do I think this is going to help me avoid or solve or fix you know kind of using some of those questions in that when in the middle of an alcohol craving you know it's using that curiosity to say what am I looking for it to do here? Is, is it really going to do that? Well, I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, I think this is something that we get a lot too, like the difference or people use interchangeably, but you know, the difference between like a craving and an urge and does it even, does it even matter what the difference is? What do you think? I, I mean, I don't know. I use, I personally use them interchangeably. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, I th- I think it's, you know, depending on your approach to this journey, whether you're doing the kind of alcohol experiment way where it's like, all right, I'm going to do 30 days alcohol free and just, you know, learn that way, the way you did or the other way, you know, the craving is something as like when your body's used to having this substance in your body on a regular basis, there is that physiological kind of response to it. So to your point, like that habitual part that comes, you know, internally. And then also it's the, the thinking part as, as, you know, a different part of that, that's, that's pointing to that, you know, perceived benefit. And so thinking about cravings and urges, it doesn't really matter. I don't think, I mean, whatever, but when you can think of it from, in terms of, there, the larger part, the bigger part is that, that thought part, the story that we're, we're telling ourselves as related to that, what's our mindset about the craving and the urge. And when we're having one, what does that look like? You know, and this can be really hard and I have felt this from, well, I mean, I felt this myself, but from others as well is like when you're not even used to when you're, when, when your perceived benefit of drinking is, is to numb out and you're not even used to like thinking about your thoughts, right? Thinking about tackling a craving thought. It's like, I'm I'm already asking you to deal with all the thoughts about all the things that you're trying to drown out. And now I'm also trying to ask you to think about the thoughts that are asking you to drink. 
So I realize this could, we both realize that this can be overwhelming, but it's so important and it's so, so good if you can just start to figure out what those voices inside your head are really saying that you need when you get these cravings for wine or alcohol. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And pausing to do that, pausing, setting a timer. I know we've talked about that before. That's one of our favorite. Both of us use that a lot as a tool for people setting a timer for anything that feels like an auto response or like our reaction to something, setting, pausing and setting a timer and coming back to it so that you're, whether you're choosing to do it or not, it doesn't, it, do, it doesn't really matter. It's putting yourself in that place of choice versus responding out of that reactionary hangry in the grocery store kind of mode where it's like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, my, my plan for the night is off because I'm just, I'm responding to the greater discomfort that I feel because I'm, I'm hungry and I'm off emotionally and all of those things. So pause, set a timer 15 minutes and then come back. And you know, if you, there's no wrong or right way to do it. What are you, what are you making it mean? If you have an alcohol craving and you drink, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. What are you making it mean? If you, if you give in, so to speak, or you don't survive, so to speak, you know, quote unquote, the, the craving manage those thoughts around it and open to the, you know, the experimental mindset like you did with your, I mean, your journey was like picture perfect from that standpoint of like, okay, I'm going to just see. And when you're in that experimental mindset, you know, place, it's a little bit, it's lighter and there's not that resistance that comes along with, I can't do this and, or I've got to survive this, or this is so hard. All of that is going to create that compounded discomfort, making it doubly hard not to do the thing we don't want to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Should we talk about my favorite tactic? <laughs> yes. Yes, please. It's such a good um, one. So this is not just my favorite tactic, but I think it's pretty much just everybody's favorite tactic. And so if you guys haven't heard of play the tape forward, this is such a great, great tactic when you are having an alcohol, wine, what have you craving, right? So it, it involves everything we just said, right? It involves pausing and just taking a minute and, and, and it, it, the, it, it is what it says, you know, play the tape forward, right? So I always tell my clients, this is what my tape looked like, right? The tape was, I'm going to have one glass of wine, but the one glass of wine that I'm saying I'm going to have is always going to turn into three quarters, if not the whole entire bottle. And I'm going to get a horrible night's sleep. I'm probably going to snap at the kids in the morning. I'm going to have a headache, you know, so we focus so much on that, the relief, all the things that come from the first glass, but we forget about the rest of the tape. And I don't know, like, it's so fascinating to me, like now that I'm on this end of it, like, why did I do that? Why did I forget? <laughs> why did I have no consideration for future tape Christy? You know, the next morning, I just, we just don't think of it. And so... Tell me what your tape looked like. Yeah, well, I, I mean, pretty, pretty spot on there. Where it was, I mean, literally, this, this is the song that pops in my head. Oops, I did it again, Britney Spears. <laughs> like, literally, that is the song that would probably haunt me. Um, yeah, to this day, where it's like, oops, I did it again. Here I am, back to the same place. And so that tape was, I'm just gonna have, you know, have one, and and then it like, just like you, just exactly the way you described. And then that next day, and that's the thing in those moments where 
we're not getting curious, where we are just in that autopilot responding mode to what's happening. And because of the, the patterned response to it, the habitual piece of it, like we're not playing it forward. We're not, we're not thinking about all that comes after it, which I think is the, I mean, one of the best first ways to kind of dive into this and experience a little bit of a different result from it. Because when you consider all that comes after it, it also goes a long ways towards untangling whatever that perceived reward is of doing the thing. Because it's like, well, I can say that, yeah, it's fun, but I can tell you it's not fun to wake up with Britney Spears singing Oops, I Did It Again in my head every morning. It's it's not fun. It's not fun. I don't care how, I don't care who says otherwise, it is not fun to have that. And so, yeah, it, it's what does fun, how we've talked before, like what does fun on the greater scale look like? Playing the tape forward allows us to see all of the, you know, the data, so to speak, of what is going to influence whether we want to do this thing or not. It puts us back into that place of choice, which is empowering versus, you know, responding to that easy button. Yeah. So true. It's so good. And it's an easy one to remember, although I'm not going to lie. I just thought that what are the generations like under us going to call this tactic because they're not going to know what a tape is. Oh my gosh. So true. (laughs) (gasps) I know. We're going to have to, yeah, come up with a different one for that, right? (laughs) We're going to have to rename this tactic. Totally. Well, and thinking about, you know, as kind of part of this too, not only like playing the tape forward, but rewinding. I mean, hey, we're just making this up live on the spot, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) How about rewind the tape too? And so when you're, you know, the alcohol craving comes instead of panicking, I mean, the worst thing we can do is panic fight. Like, oh my gosh, I'm having alcohol craving. I don't want to have this. That is going to increase its intensity. So it's that zoom out, get curious and rewind the tape of your day as well and say like, you know, what were my thoughts before this? What was I feeling before this? What happened today? You know, did I have, you know, what were my relationships? Did I have any like conflict with anybody today? How am I emotionally? What did I eat? What does my nutrition look like? What did my sleep look like last night? Have I had, I I swear like hydration and hunger, those two things I think are so overlooked as part of why we can end up in a place of alcohol craving. Yeah. When we're not meeting our, our nutritional needs, our hydration needs, our sleep needs, our rest needs, then again, we get back into that kind of like hangry at the grocery store space where it's like, well, of course all the plans are out the, we've thrown all the plans out the window for the healthy grilled chicken and broccoli tonight, because we're just, we've got to get out. We have so many things fighting against our, um, you know, our logical, rational brain's response to this that just says, like, get out of this discomfort. And this is the thing we do when we're uncomfortable. So rewind the tape. Think about your day. Take that all. And the really cool part about curiosity, I know that's something that I was like, gosh, you know, coming up with a different word for curiosity for sure. That's, <laughs> no, that's we're just still on my leaning, list. We're leaning in. I like it. We're just going to lean in because that's the thing that if, I mean, honestly, right. If we can, if we can imprint one thing, it's just like, stay curious. <laughs> because that keeps our learning brain online and open. And that's where we're going to be able to understand what this, what our relationship to alcohol looks like. And then in that understanding, be able to see how to untangle it. And I, and I, I lived in that 
not curious place for so long for that autopilot space for so long and, and perpetuated by the shame and the blame of like, here you go again. And you know, all of that, that kept me from being able to use this like valuable Intel that we have when it comes to an alcohol craving, like, okay. And again, like then play it, rewind the tape and then play it forward and then choose. And by the way, whatever you choose, okay. You don't have to make it mean that if you choose to drink that, you know, what, what are your thoughts after that? I, I mean, it, th that's the other part I think where it's like, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And we put pressure on ourselves. So then again, creating that extra discomfort that then means we're more likely to do the thing we don't want to do. But when we let go of that resistance and well, do we welcome in a craving or do we go, or do we fear a craving? That would be something I, I would say that would be a great kind of Tina for today, like a tiny takeaway would be, or a tiny, you know, new action. Just what is your approach to an alcohol craving? What are, what comes to mind when you think of an alcohol craving? Are you in that fear-based place where like, I hope I don't have one. And what if I do? And that's fear. Or are you in that place of, okay, like thoughts are automatic and cravings come from my thoughts, cravings or urges, you know, whatever you want to call them. They come from my thoughts and they're automatic. So there's a habitual response to it. Fine. Okay. I'm going to welcome it. I'm going to collect some data so I can understand my relationship to alcohol better, which means I have a better chance of untangling this thing if I understand it better. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I think one of the things I think is so important to note too, which sounds so basic, but I think it's so fundamental is that these, we think that these cravings are just not going to leave. Right. And so the thing is another way to another kind of tactic, like tactic light is the surf, the urge, right? It's like you surf it, just feel it, feel it, what, what it feels like in your body, recognize your thoughts, journal them out. If you want to go that far, amazing, but like know that it's, it's going to stop at some point, you know, and that they do get easier the more that you surf them. And so I think that's also really, really important to, to note. And that's also where, you know, we talked about one of the other episodes, like the timer can come in handy, like really feel how long it, it is, because I know that it can feel like forever, but they're really not right. And if you, if you tap into, again, what you what your body and your brain and everything is really seeking, it really isn't ethanol. It really isn't fermented grape juice, right? And so exactly what you said, it's just so important, so important to get curious. And then the other thing too, I think is just, you know, if this is like a, like it was for me, like it is with so many moms that I know, it's just an automatic, you know, if you, you know, habit loop situation where you come home from school and you just like are just opening up the wine because that's what you do, begin to like interrupt those patterns, right? Like I know that some people let, like to talk about going alcohol-free, have certain opinions about alcohol-free alcohol drinks and mocktails. I'm personally all for them. <laughs> I don't see that, like I personally do not see the problem in them. I would make a, what we called in our house, a pink lady <laughs> for months and months and months, which was just ginger ale, cranberry juice and lime. And, you know, in the afternoon after five o'clock or whatever, and then my kids started getting in on it and it was fun. And that was like the thing that we did. And, and the other thing that I have to say about this, which I don't know if we talked about before, but for me, the glassware is really pretty. Like the glassware is really important because I like to hold a pretty glass. 
And so make, if, if your thing is that every night you made yourself a glass of wine or a drink or whatever, make, you can even have it in the same glass, but just switch it up into something el- like alcohol free. And just again, be curious, see what happens when you have a craving for alcohol and you drink something non-alcoholic, like just, and sit in it and see what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's where we, it's where our resistance comes into it that, changes our experience of it and robs us of that ability to see, well, you know, could this be as fun without alcohol? I don't know. But when I have in my mind that this is going to be awful or not fun or hard or whatever without alcohol, that's what it ends up being. But it's that kind of, you know, that experimental mindset, the curiosity, what does it feel like to drink my LaCroix from a wine glass. I don't know, but I'm going to try it tonight and, and we'll see. And so that, you know, again, collecting that kind of data from the curiosity, that's what, that's what allows us to figure out what we, you know, how to untangle, untangle this moving forward. And I think that's a place where whether it's, you know, a craving for alcohol, it it doesn't really matter what the thing is. We all have these points in our day, maybe where, we go into that autopilot mode where we feel discomfort of some sort, whatever it's related to. And there's some, and maybe it's, it's our automatic response to pick up our phone, you know, that in a sense is like, there's a craving for that. And so if I've set kind of this plan to not pick up my phone so often or not check my email so often, when I find myself doing the thing that I've said that like, I don't want to do my like mindset going into that thing ahead of time is going to make all the difference in what it ends up being. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of quit coffee recently. I was like, (laughs) no, I don't want to make, I don't want to make enemies. You guys, if you like coffee, so do I. (laughs) Okay. Go ask me the question. Well, no, I was just (laughs) thinking about, see, that's okay. So the reason why I brought this up. So Christy, Christy, you're on day. What of coffee free? 11. Day 11. (laughs) Coffee free day 11. I'm going on like four years now. And it's not because I was really trying to, this this is my point. And so I would love to hear kind of your difference here too. But my point in exploring my relationship to coffee, it was not this big deal, y'all, like it was with alcohol. It was just like, I don't know. I'm getting really, really tired in the afternoon. And I wonder if what I can change because I feel like newly pregnant, first trimester pregnant every afternoon at two o'clock, I'm like crashing. Does it have anything to do with my coffee? I don't know. We'll see. I had one cup a day, whatever. I got curious. I didn't have this like, I can never drink coffee. I shouldn't drink coffee. Coffee's the end. I didn't have this mindset of like, I can't do this thing and I want to change this thing. And instead I was just like, I don't know, something's not working, but I'm going to get curious about what could produce a different result in my life. And so I, I, I did the coffee. Now, meanwhile, I'll say at the time, like I was still drinking wine every night. So, but for there to be a noticeable difference when I started with that and to the point where I was like, oh, I don't even want the coffee. Like, I just don't want the coffee anymore. I feel too good. Now I didn't have that emotional attachment to coffee. Like I did with wine and it's not as addictive. Right. But so there are different parts of that but the point being, it was an ex- it was an experiment for me in saying, I don't feel great where I am right now. Let me just see what kind of variables I can play with to see by removing it, maybe it makes a difference. I'm just gonna like track this and collect some data around this. And so that, you know, 
talking about kind of where you are with the same thing for coffee. It's, you know, for you now currently with coffee. Yeah. And like, just to let you guys know, we didn't actually talk about this before, but I had, I had a very similar kind of approach to it. Like I knew me didn't drink coffee, but I, the, I, I wanted to come to it for, for twofold. One, a really good friend of mine had stopped drinking it. And, and he said that even one cup in the morning still is affecting your sleep at night. And he's a school dad and, and he's awesome. And he also stopped drinking. So we talk a lot. And so I was like, huh, I could never do that. <laughs> and then I started to think about it more and more. And then similarly to you, Mead, I was definitely experiencing that afternoon exhaustion crash. And I'm in London and I coach a lot of ladies in the States. So I've, I was feeling the crash, like in the middle of coaching people on the Midwest and West Coast. And so I was like, okay, I want to try this. And like you said, it just didn't hold the stigma, but I wouldn't have been able to come to it from this angle, not going, I think, through the alcohol thing, because now I know like, okay, I'm calling it 30 days trying coffee. I don't know, like if that, if that is even like the amount of days, I just know that like, I'm on day 11 and I'm starting to feel the benefits in the last couple of days. The first week was so hard. Yeah, I craved it. But I, instead of like making it mean all this stuff, I just thought, I just want to see what it feels like on the other side of this week. Like I had read somewhere that it was like, I don't know, one to nine days were the, the withdrawals of caffeine. And I was like, okay, I, I can get through nine days. You know what I mean? And just... And see what this feels like on the other side. And I can't even tell you like if the benefit, I know you, I know the benefits are real because you say the benefits are real, but from personal experience, I'm just still waiting, but like, I'm not, it doesn't hold all this crazy charge. And I still look at my like Nespresso maker when I wake up at early in the morning and I'm like, you're still there and we might get back together, but I'm not sure, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to make that like permanent decision, which we, we talk a lot about in this space too, with alcohol, where it's, you don't have to, you know, say you'll never drink again. If that's your, if that's what you're going into, like the energy that you're bringing to it is, is, is creating more discomfort, making it harder perhaps, or putting more pressure on it versus like you did like, well, with coffee or, I mean, think about, so like, what if we approached our relationship to alcohol similarly to how we approach Maybe if we've experimented with not drinking coffee or if we've experimented, if we've had, you know, like gut issues, I know friends that have gut issues and they're like, you know what, I need to cut gluten out for yeah. this period of time and just see what comes of it. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like I don't have a health thing that says I have to do this, but I'm just going to get curious. What, what does it feel like in my body to not have dairy for this period of time or whatever it is? And when you do that, you're actually in that open you know, place to learn it versus the lower brained, like, oh, I've got to survive this. And so, you know, maybe thinking about even just a relationship with alcohol, what, what are some other things that you've done to our, you know, to our listeners, like that you've done that and how can you apply that mindset to this freedom from alcohol journey? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true and it's so good. And I'm just like thinking on the fly here though, like why do, you know, I mean, I know the, like we give alcohol so many jobs and alcohol is so addictive. And so that's the why, reason, obviously there's so many reasons that it's harder to break than coffee or gluten or anything like that. But I think just the, the moral of the story is it's like, and it's the same as 
it's the same as just thinking about ingesting it <laughs> in the first place, right? It's like, why don't we think about why can't, why does it hold such charge and power over us? Like, it's just wild. Well, yeah, because we're not seeing Super Bowl commercials, you know, talking about sharing a, you know, bread. I'm trying to think of a gluten example, yeah. like, and selling <laughs> selling gluten as the magic elixir for connection or for, mo- you know, mommy, we're, we're going to talk about mommy, mommy wine culture on a different episode, but even just like thinking about how that, you know, wine is that common denominator for what we're really asking for is just to connect to people and it's just conveniently been sold to us, you know, without our knowing as that way of doing it. And so it doesn't hold, you know, coffee and gluten or whatever it is. Like it doesn't hold that same charge, um, you know, but we can use some of the ways that we approach those things with this and also, take away some of that power that we give alcohol. One of my favorite, I I just thought of this too, like one of my favorite little tactics too is taking like the amount of actual alcohol in your beverage of choice. So whatever that is, you know, for me, it was always wine. And so, you know, if you take what I would have had in a night and separate just the pure alcohol content, separate that out from the sugar and that, you know, all the other things that go into that, it's like a couple of ounces of like the pure alcohol part, the ethanol. It's a couple of ounces. We're, we're giving, this is one of those, like for me that I was like, wow, we give this so much power Pour a couple of ounces into a cup, you know, a cup of water and put it on your counter and walk by it or, you know, put it on your bathroom counter. And every time you see it, think about how you're giving this, you know, liquid, this poisonous liquid, all that power in your life. And what does that look like when you, you know, step back and kind of get curious about that? We do give it so much more meaning, so much more power than, than we have to. One of my other favorites is, do you do this one? The name your, name your wine, witch. <laughs> this is a fun one that I always like love to do with clients because they come up with the most hilarious names. But I think it was, it's Claire Pooley, right? She's the one that came up with this in her book, which I, do you remember the name of it? Cause I can't remember it right now, but it, it's a great book, Claire Pooley. And she just talked about like the, you know, naming that voice in your head. Cause that, that voice in your head gets louder and louder. Again, it's temporary. She, she will go away. But like, if you can name her and know that like, she's got a one track mind, she's persistent And she wants to undermine you at all costs, but she's not you, right? Because we build up this neural pathway, because we build up this like habit loop and we're automatically used to doing something, like we do have this voice in our head. And because we've been drinking for so long, or like at least I have, right, it becomes necessary to your, your brain equates it as necessary to survival. So the voice can get loud. The craving voice can get loud and eat and she can get really bloody noisy. So another fun one to do is just like name her and know that she's not you, you know, like I just went with Claire Pooley is like wine witch, but like people have come up with some great ones. Like, I don't know, Bel- like Belinda, <laughs> like I don't know. So funny, but just like know that that voice that you're hearing she is not you and she will she's going to seek to undermine you at all costs and she sounds like you can start this whole thing tomorrow you can actually stick till one tonight 
you know, you can interchange water with wine. Like she will say these things in the craving with the megaphone. And so I think it's good to like call her out and know that you can beat her. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know a lot of people that find a lot of value in that for sure. And yeah. And thinking about how, you know, maybe even thinking of her as like a toddler who's irrational. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like knowing that like, she's not an adult with a rational cognitive brain. Like she's, it's almost like a, like a tantrum, you know, it's a immediate, like do the thing. And for, for me, I think that's something that I can totally relate to in that regard where I see, oh, like, oh, that's not me. That's like this toddler voice or whatever saying you need this when really, no, like I'm the adult, like, no, oh, thanks for showing up wine, Mitch. Like, I know you're just here to, you know, do the job that I've like conditioned you to do, but, but yeah, I don't have to, I don't have to battle you. I can welcome you in and say, I got this. Like, no, I know that this isn't going to serve me. I know everything that you're saying, like, it's not true. So finding that separation for sure. Like, I think it all, that's so massive. Like we've talked about through practicing meditation, you know, starting to build little practices where you are finding that space between your you and the thoughts that you're having. So that in those moments, it's, you have that ability to go, wait, wait, no, no, that's not, that's not me. I don't really want this. It's not going to actually solve X, Y, Z right now. Yeah. And, and when you hear her, like, you know, interrupt, interrupt that pattern, like do something different. I mean, obviously there was the pink lady mocktails going around my house, but the other thing that I just got really, because, you know, again, when I figured out that I was seeking like rest and just all the things that I was seeking in wine, like I, and it sounds cheesy, but I did. I took a lot of baths. <laughs> I got really into face masks. Don't forget you guys that I did this during COVID. So face masks, baths, like walks, all of that. But I remember when we were in, we were in lockdown and there was like a slight, like, like slight kind of opening in the restrictions. And a girlfriend had found a cute cottage way up in Yorkshire that she had rented. And she's like, it's available. Do you guys want it? And I was like, get me out of this city immediately. I need to see fields and fresh air. So we got in the car and I did the driving and it was a five and a half hour drive. And we got there and Chris started to unpack. And it was so funny because, okay, so I stopped in March and this was... Now I can't even remember, but it was several, several months later where I, I hadn't had a really strong craving in a while, but I was like, I just did that drive. I just drove my family out of a pandemic for five hours. Like I need a drink. And so literally I just looked at Chris in the eyes and I was like, I'm getting in the bath. (laughs) And I went upstairs and I put my AirPods in and I had whatever book, I think it was quit like a woman at the time. And I just soaked myself and I put a face mask. And you know what it did? It went away. It went away in about 15 minutes. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's so huge in being able to create that, you know, that pause, that buffer between that automatic response. And even though you had had time, all this, you know, all this time already doing it alcohol free and not having that you, it is one more piece for you to take with you to say like, Oh, okay. I know what I need to do right now. And the reason why I know that this is a tool that works for me is because I've tried that. And that's, 
you know, the other thing as part of this process, it's, it's, it's all in like the trying new, trying different things and all of the tools that we provide or other people suggest it's there. They may work or they may not, but you won't know. And the really cool part is we get to call that. Like I, one of the best, I think, superpowers of doing this work is being able to say, I do know what I need. Being able to pause and say, oh, I feel uncomfortable right now. What could this be? Let me consider what do I really need? Being able to meet that. Like I, I need some, you know, de-stress time or I need some, I've just driven five and a half hours and I've been in the car with the family. And speaking of toddlers and tantrums and, you know, wine, witch voices and things like that. Like I need that, I need that space. And so being able to, to figure out what that is for us is part of this process. If we go into it with this, well, I don't know. Let me, let me see, let me experiment with it, which is so huge. And I also think that like, it reminds me of how, so, you know, my approach being a little bit different. And then once I, you know, once I was done, I was done and I never had another, you know, craving or desire or whatever temptation. And, but, you know, I remember very vividly a couple months into, you know, freedom from alcohol, Todd was traveling and he was coming, coming back. And so he was coming back on a Friday. It was cold. It was dreary. And so I guess in the past, and it's so funny how now I'm like, I guess that's what we did in the past, but it's just one more thing that we did and alcohol happened to be a part of. But my thought went to, oh, and then he'll come home and it'll be in time for him to make a fire and then we'll catch up over cocktails. Well, I'd been free from alcohol for several months and it was one of those that in that moment, I, if I had maybe panicked that I was having this, oh my gosh, like I thought of alcohol, what am I making? If I made it mean that I wasn't free from alcohol or if I made it mean that it still has some pull on me or I made it mean that this is, you know, alert, 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 every, you know, danger, then it would have had a completely different result than me going, oh, well, this is just what I, this is my conditioned response to like, for your, your point of driving in the car after a five, five and a half hour trip, like that's just a conditioned response. It doesn't mean, you know, necessarily that you want to drink, that you're having an alcohol craving does not equal the desire to drink. It doesn't have to mean that. I think that's where also we have that opportunity to get really curious. Like just because I'm thinking about alcohol right now, wait, do I want that? And that's what I ended up doing in that moment. It was like, wait, why am I having this interesting? Okay. Do I want to drink? No, no, I don't. Okay, great. Move on. It's just, and it, I laughed about it, like that it was a thought and it reminded me of how habituated this had become. And of course my brain was experiencing that because it's pulling from the past where this setup where Todd coming back in town and us having, having, you know, caught up all week, that would be what would be connecting. But now I have new pathways that say, oh yeah, no, that's not what we do now. And this is why. And so, you know, I think that's such a good, your, the way you describe that. And, you know, those are just good examples of how the thoughts can be automatic and how, so an alcohol craving doesn't equal necessarily the desire to drink. And when we can, when we can get curious about that and say, wait, does this mean I really want to drink? Well, no, it's just, this is, this is what, you know, that habit loop is strong. That old pathway is, is a lot less than it used to be, but it's the first time I'm experiencing this in a new way. Oh, okay. So it's that turn to to curiosity that really is so massive. And that turn to curiosity, I think, is really hard in the in the moment. But 
the more we practice it and I like to, you know, I always say like, it's, it's pause and connect to your breath. Like find your breath in your body. How do I know I'm breathing when I can pause and connect to my breath, whether it's a, you know, whatever thought it is that I don't want to be having about something, then I can get the truth versus the escalation of the, the mind adding on all the stories that keep me, you know, kind of choosing what I don't want to choose. Yeah. So true. I can relate to that one so much. There was so March, I stopped and then December, and it was actually the same week that I had interviewed with them to enter their certification program. So I was like, you know, in full freedom and a a really, really dear girlfriend of mine passed away. And literally was in within, you know, minutes. And it was it was like, I saw myself driving to the bar. I was in Palm Beach at the time, driving to the bar, sitting down and ordering a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. And I literally just, I mean, there were so many emotions going on because I just found out a dear friend had passed away. But like, I was just like, what? Where did that come from? But that's what I did with grief. That's what I did all the time. So of course that thought was going to still pop up here and there. It didn't mean I actually wanted to drink. I was ready to train to be a coach, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't make it mean you didn't add on that layer of meaning that then, (laughs) yeah, story that, yeah, all stories. It all comes, oh my gosh, it all comes back to stories. And that is the level at which we have control. That's the, that's the greatest, most mind blowing part of all of this. That is where we have, that's where we're empowered. It's with the story and how much of our life where we're, we're not happy with maybe the way the results we're getting, how much of it is because we have things that are outside of our control and how much of it is because of the stories that, that we add to it, that add to our inability to do the thing that, you know, that we're trying to, whatever it is, untangle. So it's that layer that I love. I'm sure that we'll talk a lot more like about cravings throughout other episodes, but as we're wrapping up, what's our teeny, tiny, (laughs) tiny Tina, what's our tiny action? Yeah. So, you know, I I would say like maybe the, the prepping before get really curious, like as you're, as you've listened to this, I mean, I, I do this with clients after calls, like plan to spend after we hang up plan to spend 10 minutes just writing down, you know, either your, your tiny takeaway, your, your Tita or your, your tiny new action, your Tina love a little acronym situation, but, um, (laughs) that way, like whatever you've absorbed allows you to, you know, again, kind of like turn to that curiosity and keep it going. So maybe, maybe it's, you know what, like, what are my thoughts about alcohol, alcohol cravings? Am I, am I approaching them? If this is something that I, am worried about in my life. I'm doing this 30 day dry January thing or 30 day reset, whatever. And this is the thing that kind of keeps me up at night. Like what, what am I going to do when I have this craving or whatever, I'm about to start something. Well, start thinking now, what are your thoughts? You know, are you fearing having the craving or is there a way to reframe that as like, I'm going to welcome that because there's some learning in that. Okay. So the craving's going to come or the craving's not like, I don't have control over whether or not it comes, but I can, if I, if I fear it, what is the result of that? How am I making it harder for myself to not do the thing? 
versus if I welcome it and go, okay, I'll, I'll be curious about this. I'm going to go, Hmm, what is this really about? I'm going to learn from this. And what's, you know, what's the difference in that? That would be my teen up for today. Do you have one? Yeah, no, I mean, I would just say like, you know, we've given a, you know, a lot of tactics, a lot to think about, like remember one and, and also experiment with it, you know, like yeah. the, the go-to one for so many people is play the tape forward and it's so easy and it's easy to remember. So my teeny tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny, oh my gosh, I know. my tiny Tina is just like, try that tactic and see how it works out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. And that, yeah. Try differently. Try something yeah. new. Awesome. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Don't forget to come join us in our community, which you can sign up for at butjesusdrankwine.com. And um, we will see you next Monday. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com. And make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm not sober. I'm free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.